Hi, I'm Robin Birkin and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice and real talk. To me, being a warrior means true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to be afraid and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome, warrior. You're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Hi, warriors, and welcome back to another episode of the Fertility Warriors. It is my great pleasure today to welcome Dr. Laurie Johnson to the podcast. We have connected over Instagram. We've connected in my fertility businesses Facebook group, and it's been a real honor to get to know Dr. Laurie because I feel like, well, number one, she is a psychotherapist and like a true expert at what she does. She specializes in infertility. She specializes as well in how racial trauma can impact infertility. But I feel like in terms of what we talk about, we're just really aligned in our beliefs and our values around infertility. And so it's my great pleasure to welcome you to the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. It's been so nice getting to know you and I love your platform and everything that you're doing in the community um, to help, you know, fellow warriors. And so it's so exciting. It's so exciting to be here and to just kind of chat about things. So you are a psychotherapist and I'll be like full disclosure. It may be only six months ago that I actually even heard the term psychotherapy. I think a lot of us know psychologist therapist, counselor. Can you explain to me what a psychotherapist is? Yes. So a psychotherapist is kind of a big term, an umbrella term that encompasses mental health professional. Um, It's a term that we use a lot here in the U.S., but it could also mean like a social worker or a marriage and family therapist or a licensed professional counselor or a psychologist. Um, We all do the same things. We just might have different orientations uh, in terms of like theories that we learned in grad school and how we apply them in practice. So the term psychotherapy just seems to be a name or a term that people really identify with and know that, okay, this is someone who I can talk to about things and who will help me solve my problems and, and kind of go into depth about why I'm feeling the way that I am and strategize about how to feel differently. So you practice out of LA, but you do a lot of online stuff as well. But are you able to talk to me a little bit about your particular approach and how you work with clients? Absolutely. I'm trained in trauma work. It's something that, um, you know, I've been in the field for over 20 years, but didn't start really learning more about trauma work until I had actually started going through a lot of fertility issues. And, and of course, you know, I think as anybody and that comes to this community, we're furiously trying to understand. And, and so having this unique perspective as a clinician, but also a person going through uh, fertility issues, you know, I, I really wanted to kind of understand what was going on emotionally for me. And so that led me to these trauma-informed approaches. And so once I started to get trained in that, I've started working with, you know, my fertility clients much differently because of the ways in which we now understand, or at least I think we knew this years ago, but at least science has caught up with uh, the tremendous impact that the infertility experience has on our emotional well-being. 
I find it really interesting. So I've been reading this book, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And I probably, I don't know if I would recommend it to fertility warriors because I feel like it's quite a heavy book. It's a 16 hour book. It talks all about trauma. And one of my key, I guess, aha moments from this is just how new trauma is, how hard it has been to acknowledge how complex trauma is. And like a Vietnam vet is going to handle trauma so differently from someone who has experienced racial trauma is very different to someone who has experienced childhood sexual trauma is very different to how someone who has experienced infertility trauma, but also that they can interlace, they can layer on it. Like you can be, you know, dealing with multiple things and have multiple experiences and backgrounds that are going to impact your treatment. And so I just feel like I need to acknowledge just how, I guess, powerful it can be to have a psychotherapist who specializes in trauma and then specializes in infertility trauma as Mm -hmm. well. Is that your experience that it's just quite new? Absolutely. You know, it took a while for the uh, for the medical field, I think, to catch up to what the emotional experiences of the women going through fertility treatments has been. And I was glad to see in recent years where people, you know, studies actually proved that our experiences are traumatic. And if we think about what trauma means, it, you know, and I think the, the first image that comes to mind is, yes, someone going off to war or, you know, someone being, you know, violated sexually or going through other, some other violent event, you know, we think about something pretty grand in a, in a sense, but there's also an experience what we call, you know, like maybe what big T or, or little T, meaning that it might not be the, the an experience that's similar to, to, to the vets, as you described, but it is still an event that is distressing to the point where one's coping strategies aren't necessarily working. And, and so when we think about the science behind that and what our bodies do to try to create a sense of, of safety in the world, when that's constantly violated um, and or or disrupted, that is what also creates or contributes to that that distress, that experience of distress related to that event. And, and so as that relates to infertility, there's so much happening to a woman's body and, and sometimes the men's as well. But we're the ones who are going through all of the procedures and, and getting poked and prodded every few days or sometimes every day, taking the hormones which are changing our body, our, you know, our body reactions and hormone levels. And, and so those layers, as you mentioned earlier, definitely, I think, contribute to the, the, the depths of the, 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 the stress that warriors experience. And, um, and so therefore, you know, it does register very intensely for, for people and uh, therefore is considered a trauma. Are you able to talk to me about some of the experiences, thoughts, feelings that might contribute to somebody needing to acknowledge that actually they, you know, you mentioned that their coping skills weren't working. What are kind of the signals that your coping skills aren't working? 
what I see in the fertility community is just heightened levels of anxiety to the point where, you know, someone's breathing changes. They might uh, start to feel cold and clammy when they are getting uh, close to like their, their, their clinic or an appointment. There might be lots of unwanted thoughts that they can't really control. I, I also see some women who struggle with actually getting to their appointments because they've associated going to the doctor's office with receiving bad news. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's that of avoidance of, you know, a, a, that, a, that kind of distressing event and or um, just negative thoughts about, you know, all the bad things that could happen in that kind of get away from, from you. And then also the, the feeling of just dread that, that can go along with this, this process that I think goes a lot that uh, kind of accompanies just the ups and downs of the roller coaster nature of going through fertility treatments. Someone also might kind of feel disconnected, you know, when they feel kind of numb. Um, they might notice just a change in, in their activities. They don't really want to ina- interact with friends or family in the same way just because their their mood has changed to a degree. So, you know, we see that anxiety, but we also see just some layers of, of depression that start to surface, you know, the longer that someone undergoes treatment. And, and so this lack of interest in, in activities or just, you know, kind of holding up is, is are just some other, I think, ways that we can see. The, the nature of this trauma presenting itself. We talked about layers, that there can be sort of layers to this. And we've all, I think, had a level of increased awareness in mm-hmm. recent months that some people of colour have very different statistics when it comes mm-hmm. to infertility pregnancy, birth. And I think we've all had this heightened awareness that it's not just as easy as not being racist and like, why, you know, what is the difference? There's actually, you know, racial trauma is a thing. Transmitted Mm -hmm. trauma is a thing. Can you speak a little bit to these differences and how racial trauma can then be this added layer to infertility trauma? Absolutely. And and I know that that's a new term, you know, when we talk about like racial trauma, you know, there's, there've been a few studies that have come out that really talk about the fact that there are some factors related to, to, to racism, at least here in the U S that do impact, you know, people's mental health and, and, and their um, mental health and also physical health. And so as it relates to, to infertility, you know, there was this idea that, infertility didn't really affect communities of color. And these these ideas were born out of stereotypes that have long existed in our country where we were considered kind of like hyper, or certain communities and particularly um, black women were considered hyper fertile. And what we're now finding is that, you know, Black women in particular are probably twice as likely as our white counterparts to experience fertility issues. However, we're half as likely to access care. And, and so we have this stereotype around hyperfertility that's still, I, I think, running rampant in our community. And, and I have to kind of say, I, I, I even believe that too. I had people telling me, you know, no, you're, you're fertile. This doesn't happen to us. And so naively, you know, I, I, I kind of bought into that at some point. And, um, but then also when you think about, and I know like in our community, we've talked a lot about how stress impacts the body and does stress cause infertility or not. But I, I'd like in some ways for that to be reexamined uh, because when we think about the stress that trauma, the stress of infertility and what that, how that feels for, for women going through it. But when we think about the racial layer too, that some communities are experiencing, that's another 
heavy emotional burden that impacts the, the, the process and also the, I think that the outcome. And so I, I think it's important to kind of think about the, the ways that those dovetail. But I definitely can go into a little bit more about the history too, about mm. why I think it's hard for some communities to, to access help because of, you know, I mentioned stereotypes and then also, you know, there's been a long standing, I think, kind of mistrust that has occurred in, you know, in communities of color. And, and also that does have some historical roots as well, because when a black people were brought over here from, from Africa, there was a gentleman at the time, Dr. Sims, who, who actually conducted experiments on enslaved women. And he did that without using anesthesia because there was this idea that black people didn't feel pain as, as much as their white counterparts. And so this is a gentleman who's now considered the pioneer of, you know, gynecology and has created a lot of tools that, that are actually used in, in, in medical exams. And so to have that as part of the legacy, and then, so we have that. And then also you know, the the layers of mistrust kind of continued where you had this experiment called the Tuskegee experiment, which they inflicted some people, some black men with syphilis, but they didn't tell them, but that was just to kind of observe the impact of of what syphilis would, um, you know, how it would impact the body. And and then on top of that, you know, most recently we have uh, the story of Henrietta Lacks. And, and if you've heard of cervical cancer, then, you know, she's tied to that. And this is where the doctors actually took her cells without her permission and have used them for research purposes. And so now she's been living longer outside in these laboratories than she ever was on this earth, but, you know, without any kind of um, recognition or kind of compensation for, for her family. And so these are these are parts of our collective history that we we've heard about and we know. And, and so it makes, I think, accessing care a little bit more challenging because it's like, okay, we don't really want to be an experiment and we want to make sure that, you know, and obviously we know to some degree our doctors are going to be forthright. Um, but there's still that collective concern about, wow, you know, are they going to miss something or, you know, is, is, is everything really copacetic? So it's, um, that's, that's kind of the intersection too. And I think that, you know, this delay of, of accessing care, um, you know, when you have those stories coupled with, you know, these ideas that, you know, fertility issues don't really happen to us, um, that, that's a dangerous combination because we all know that infertility is a very isolating and, you know, debilitating kind of condition to, you know, and so to not kind of have the medical support um, around that is, is, pretty, is pretty daunting. You're suffering with infertility and then everybody around you is like, well, you're a person of color, so you should be hyper fertile. We already like people already feel like they're not enough and that, you know, they're like, they feel like they're doing something wrong when you've got infertility. But then when you've got this added layer of people being like, well, it should work you that mm-hmm. just like that's really hard yeah it, it was I, I went through this really you know it was just a mind-blowing experience because yeah I just thought I mean a lot as a lot of us do we go into to IVF thinking okay you know what it's going to work a certain way I'll, I'll do my relaxing you know exercises and you know I, I, and being a therapist I also thought you know what I, I, I got this I, I have the tools and so um so that coupled with these ideas that you know what, it's just, I just need a little bit of help. 
but, but yeah, it was such a, it was such a humbling and experience because I, yeah, I had my, my, my girlfriends kind of, you know, just, you know, contributing to that, that, that stereotype thing, you know, yeah. Cause I, I'd gotten pregnant naturally a couple of times and unfortunately they ended in losses and so they were like, you're, you're fertile, you're fertile. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, yeah. So there was just this really big disconnect and I just, I, I just didn't, I, I couldn't talk to them after that. And I was just feeling so just broken for, for lack of a better word. You know, my body wasn't doing what it was supposed to. And, and, you know, and here I was this outlier in my community that wasn't talking about fertility issues. And so that just made me even feel more isolated. And so that's why I, I so appreciate, you know, your platform and, you know, just other women out there who are just bringing attention to, to this, because I, I just love how our community is so supportive of other women who are going through, through this, because you, you can't, I, that you can't support somebody if you haven't gone through infertility, but we just know it feels differently when you're talking to somebody who's lived that experience, who knows what it's like when you're scared to go to the doctor's office or you have to put your feet up in stirrups again. You're just like, really? I don't want to get poked or prodded again. And, you know, it's, there's just a reference point that I think we have. And, and so, you know, as I was seeing what was happening with, you know, some of these women of color who are just, you know, we kind of get pushed to the margins, um, you know, when certain you know, elements of our experience don't get talked about. So, you know, it's another reason why I'm appreciative of being here and, you know, talking on your platform about this, because I think it's, it's really important to increase awareness. And, and if I, as a black person in the U.S., had to do a lot of research about, you know, and, and learn for myself, I can only imagine what it's like for my, you know, for my white counterparts, you know, we, we just, we're all in this together. We're, we're learning um, and sometimes relearning as we go along. And I think like you would know, because we've had these discussions that I guess for me, I, one of the things I've always committed to, we had Nicola Salmon on the podcast mm-hmm. a couple of months ago when we talked about weight and fertility. And I've always just been like, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to be the person who's happy to be open, be schooled, to just make the mistakes and just fumble through things. And I think for you as well, like you're like, cool, Robin, like let's do this. And so to have people like Nicola, to have people like you to open up conversations, I think is just so important. And, you know, like I was thinking about the pioneer that you were talking about of gynecology the other day and bullshit that they wouldn't like, you would know that someone was clearly in a great deal amount of pain. And if we can imagine if you like the sheer terror that you would feel if you could feel everything that was happening when someone was operating on you and experimenting Mm. on you, and then just how that can imagine if that was your mum. And then imagine if you were her child and then like trauma can be transmitted because that's obviously going to impact the way that she parents, that would impact the way that Mm -hmm. the messages that she sends to her children. And that's how we end up with cycles of things like alcoholism because hashtag trauma. Yes. Hashtag trauma for for sure. And that, you know, that generational transmission is so powerful because when you mention like, you know, imagine if this were your mom 
And ironically, I, I don't know if you know this, but my mom has a chronic medical condition. So okay. um, talk about medical trauma, <laughs> you know, just before the infertility stuff happened. And she has a, she has a blood disorder called sickle cell. And yes. she, has a de- she has a derivative of it, whereas um, it's still pretty painful until she'll have these crises, but you can't really see it. And so when she's in pain, you know, when she has to go to the doctor and to, to, to her hospital to, to get treated, they imagine that, or, you know, they, they, they think that she's drug seeking. And so to see her writhe in pain and to see her treated or not necessarily treated for that, you know, so I am watching that happen. And, you know, so her experience, you know, being a chronically ill patient, you know, definitely impacted me as her daughter. And then also her experience around race impacted me as her daughter. She grew up in the civil rights era. She's, you know, gone to jail for protesting, um, you know, it's probably where I get a little bit of my social justice, you know, kind of uh, leanings from. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, she did live in a different era that was very, you know, was very traumatic for her. So her messages were very clear about how I had to navigate things around, you know, about my racial identity. And so then watching her navigate the medical stuff and not necessarily get what she needed. And, you know, luckily, she's got a great treatment team now. And, They've got a, you know, and, and they've got a great protocol, um, but still getting to that point, you know, much like, you know, just our fertility journeys and finding the right doctor, finding the right protocol that's going to work for our bodies. Um, you know, it, it takes time and, you know, but again, when you have this extra layer of emotional stuff or shit, if I could say that, that you're also dealing with. We, 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 every episode here is explicit okay, <laughs> because fine. my mouth, I have a sailor's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I find that people get a little weird when their therapist starts cursing. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, but I'm like, sometimes you just got to curse because, you know, it's just shitty. It's just shitty. And you're watching this, you're you're watching your family go through this, um, but then you're also, you know, and that shapes your worldview. It shapes like how you think. It shapes how you interact with people. So yes, there is this, um, this huge intergenerational, you know, kind of transmission of these trauma experiences. And, and I like to kind of say that, you know, we're kind of this like walking wounded in a way where these wounds get passed down and, and we're, you know, we spend each generation trying to, trying to heal them. And so, you know, and, and trying to do that through, through love and, and, and through connection and, and this relearning that, that we're doing. And I can just, I mean, and even, I mean, it's, it's just so complex and so layered. We could talk for probably eight hours about this, but even when we look at, you know, like needing fertility treatments, needing surgery for fibroids or endometriosis, and in the United States, the cost that is associated with that, and then we look at nutrition in income and wealth between races, it, mm-hmm. like it just can seem, I guess, really defeating yeah. in some aspects. Yeah, no, it can be, I think, pretty defeating um, because when you think about like just access to care and then access to, to financial resources and, and just the ways in which, you know, not all communities have had the same access to education or opportunities, even though we think so. And, you know, we think about like our legacy of, of slavery in, the, in, this, in this country. And I, and I know it's hard for some people to talk about, but you know what, it's just real and it's our reality. But when you think about the fact that 
that for, for, for a couple hundred years, we were working in this, in this country and we weren't compensated. We had no land, we had no income. Um, we didn't, we were, weren't even considered, you know, a whole person. And, and so, you know, and so that affects generations. I mean, you talk about, you know, pain that gets passed down, you know, just other families have different elements passed down where they're able to pass down wealth or just, you know, a, a way of being in the world that, that definitely impacts, you know, I think how you are able to, um, how you're able to see yourself and, and, you know, just if you're able to see yourself as a full person, you, you act as a full person, um, you know, and you're treated that way. And um, so I, I think the, the, the income disparities that we're, we're seeing are, are you know, it's, it's definitely one thing, but it's also, I think, indicative of the fact that these are generational issues and societal issues that I think we've struggled with as a country to, to kind of talk about and, and really address. And even here in Australia, and we have stolen generations, we have like same, same, but different stories. Yeah. There is this huge disparity. There is, I think, something along the lines of 49% unemployment rates amongst mm-hmm. our Indigenous communities. And, you know, in Australia, in the United States, people are rallying and protesting. And here in Australia, we, it's, I just feel like it's not the same level, but that we still need to do so much. For all of our fertility warriors out here, listening regardless of color but also particularly for our listeners which we do have a number like a lot of listeners who are people of color how do we start to then so I guess first off let's acknowledge um, Mm -hmm. that what you are experiencing is traumatic and might be like an onion different layers like I can only imagine that the different things and different experiences that so many of us have had Let's first acknowledge it's a thing. It's like it's not you. What can we then do to help ourselves heal some of the trauma to then enable ourselves to forge forward with working to create a family? I, I think that we have to, you know, one of the things that is is like really getting humble and using, you know, like we want people to understand our fertility trauma, you know, and, and really acknowledge that. And, and I think that when we feel seen around that helps us, you know, it helps us feel, you know, heard and and we we feel good, you know, we feel validated. And, and so I think that, and I know that not everybody gets the racial stuff, you know, it's a hard topic to talk about. And then when we, when we think about privilege and, and I think that can be really a difficult, you know, issue as well because people are like, well, you know, I had to work hard. And of course it doesn't mean that you're, you know, that, that didn't, you you know, that things came easy to you. Um, but I think it's just like just being open to understanding or just listening to what we don't understand. And if we have that knee-jerk reaction to kind of say, well, oh no, it's not that bad. Or, you know, let's, let's listen to the people who are coming from that community and, and listen to what they're trying to tell us um, and creating that space. Um, because I think that's also how we became to understand that infertility trauma was as big as it was. You know, it's like, well, guys are not getting this, you know, I'm, I'm having these experiences and, you know, we brought these back, you know, these experiences back to our doctors and finally they, you know, they did their research and, and then they wrote stuff about it and, and now we're able to take it seriously. And so, um, you know, I think that is, I think applying that same kind of model to the racial trauma too is, is helpful. So, you know, the more that we're reading and educating and trying to connect to the experiences of others that, that aren't like ours, I think creates just, just more space for healing. And growth, learning, all of that stuff is messy, 
confronting, uncomfortable, and I don't have these conversations because like they're necessarily easy for me because I've grown up, like I've grown up very privileged in my life, but being willing to feel uncomfortable and feel like a little bit shitty, but Mm -hmm. willing to put in some work to acknowledge that things aren't what they should be and that it's not enough to just be like, oh, that yeah, that sounds really hard. Actually, we need to work hard and we are such a good, we, the infertility community, I, so I started my journey like eight years ago and I have really seen the infertility community rally together. I think that we mm-hmm. are such a strong community. We are now starting to really acknowledge the trauma and the, and it's, in you know, eight years ago, we didn't talk about like it was this whole under the carpet thing about stress and infertility. And then we've now starting, like I'm just now eight years later, starting to see the tide shift in terms of people acknowledging. And, you know, I've had 10 people on the wait list for my program in the last week that people are like, you know what, just Mm -hmm. the same as I get a cold, I break a leg, all of these kind of things. Actually, it's quite normal to not be okay at times and seek help. And then for us to look at the, you know, how this additional layer as well of racial trauma can affect us that, you know, we need to rally together. We need to rally together around our sisters of colour. We need to rally around the medical community and get them to wake up and start looking at just how complex this is and how we need to acknowledge that different treatment might be needed, individualised treatment might be needed. Definitely. And I like what you said too about leaning into the discomfort because that is, I think, the biggest challenge around talking about, you know, racial issues and talking about, I mean, talking about infertility is uncomfortable to talk about, you know, it's all uncomfortable to talk about and and nobody wants to, um, you know, step on toes or maybe say the wrong thing or, you know, and, and when we're living in this politically correct kind of world, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, if you say the wrong, if you use the wrong word to refer to a group, I mean, my gosh, we've got the cancel culture, which I, you know, like it, it, it can, I think it can, you know, ignite a lot more, you know, anxiety too. And, and so, you know, just taking that risk, you know, and, and coming, leading from a place of love, but also, you know, knowing that, you know what, you will, we all mess up about this stuff and we all have biases that we struggle with. And, you know, some of them are just in different areas. And, and we all have privilege in, in some respects um, in ways that we might not see or don't see. Um, but again, it's like if we just, you know, lean into that discomfort too, I, you know, I think that's, I really like that. That really, you know, spoke to me and just felt like that's another important element here for, for us to remember. A hundred percent. So before we get into the speed round, can you talk a little bit more about like how you help people, what you've got on the go and where people can find you? Yes. So right now I'm doing a lot of trauma-informed therapy with um, fertility patients, um, which I think is, you know, is really kind of speaking to me right now. We know that trauma impacts the body. And so as women are going through, you know, these fertility treatments, you know, I use some of my trauma-informed techniques to, to help women prepare for treatments a little bit more easily. And so it's like, 
you know, being as less stressed as possible, doing, you know, some mindset work, but also some body work as well. So I'm doing that mainly in a therapeutic capacity. And then I do some coaching as well for, for women um, outside of outside of California. And um, so right now I'm also online. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Lori Johnson, and that's D-R-L-O-R-E-E Johnson. And, um, and I also am on Facebook too, but I tend to kind of hang out more on, on Instagram, which is where all the cool people are now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely where I am <laughs> so it must be true no I'm just kidding <laughs> and I just I need I know that I've spoken to this before but I just really need to emphasize just how powerful it can be to see someone who is trauma informed because the more I learn about trauma the more I also learn that different treatments work for different people and but don't work for different people depending on what they've experienced when they've experienced it and so I think that you know there is definitely power in seeing someone who has that trauma I guess experience or knowledge okay so are you ready for the speed round I am ready for the speed round okay so do you have a book that you recommend everyone reads I like right now, I know that you're not a big fan of Vessel of Vendor Colk's The Body Keeps the Score. What I will say in terms of like why I like it as a clinician is that it helps you understand the power of the mind and the body when it relates to trauma. And, and so all of those experiences, ladies, that you are having where you're just feeling a little off or more anxious than usual, or, you know, just feeling some type of way um, that's, you know, that's, that's connected to this, you know, fertility you know, um, journey, it makes sense. Your body is remembering it. But also another book I really like too is Infertility and PTSD by Joanna Flemons. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, I think, a really great book to, to that kind of talks about infertility trauma. Awesome. No, I do actually love The Body Keeps Score, but I just, I do find it very heavy. I mean, we've got to be prepared to sometimes yeah. listen to the stuff that's really heavy, but the yeah. whole, like it's a 16 hour book and the whole second half it like is just so valuable in terms of talking about different things that might work in different situations and for different people. And do you have a favorite quote or affirmation? My favorite kind of quote slash affirmation is actually um, something that I've said before. It's like your fertility struggles do not define you how you handle them does. So yes, you cannot be an infertility warrior and not, I mean, and not have a sense of strength and, 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 you know, tenacity about you. So, um, the fact that you're a member of this community means that you come with immense strength. So you're, you're, you're handling things. And so remember that. Oh, I love that. (laughs) If there was like one message that you could send to the world, what would it be? Remember that you're stronger than you think you are. This journey can leave you feeling, you know, just defeated, Um, but you wake up every day, you keep pushing forward. And again, that's that tenacity and strength that I think is just so characteristic of the women in this community. So remember who you are. Oh, love love it, love it, love it. And the very last one, because perfection is a unicorn. Do you have (laughs) a guilty pleasure? So I do. I love, um, I love popcorn and red wine before Olivia Pope made it popular on Scandal. So I love to just binge watch like really trashy TV. Um, and right now I, um, it, it's actually not as trashy as, as before, but, um, I'm really into, 
I'm really into Shit's Creek. And I love Shit's Creek. Oh my goodness. Yep. Um, Alexis. Mm. Yes. So, um, yes. And I, I might even be, you know, I might even act out like a little bit of Alexis or David with, you know, at at home just because I, those characters just, I love them. I just love them. I love that whole family and just, so yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) that's definitely my, my guilty pleasure. And, uh, just sitting down and watching them for hours is, is just quite fun. Oh, we've just given you the Netflix recommendation of 2020 because it's like my favorite show. Dr. Laurie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're amazing. I don't really have anything else to say. And I just, I feel like, you know, even with our TV shows, we're very aligned in what we do. And it's been awesome being able to have this uh, conversation with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to finally get to talk to you in person and I'm a big fan. And so I'm glad we had a chance to, to chat. Thank you so much, Warriors, for tuning into this episode. I cannot wait to chat with you next week. Do make sure, please, that you subscribe to the Fertility Warriors podcast. And I would be so, so, so grateful if you would go onto iTunes and leave us a review. It's how Apple helps other people get to find our podcast. If you would like to know more details about how to find Dr. Laurie Johnson, then you can head to the show notes, go to robinburkencom slash blog, and you'll find all of her links to all of her things that she has going on there. I will catch you next week, everyone. Thank you so much. Oh, Nelly, don't go anywhere just yet. I need to tell you about a few more things before you go. The first one is that if you haven't signed up to my Ultimate Fertility Library, then you're missing out. I have a library of resources just for you and you can get access at robinburkin.com slash library. There are cheat sheets, ebooks, meditations, affirmations, and so much more, and it's all free. Head to robinburkin.com slash library to get access today. And lastly, warrior, I'm not a doctor or a dietitian or a financial advisor. I'm me. And this information is for information and inspirational purposes only based on my own experiences. So please don't substitute the information in this podcast for professional healthcare, financial or other advice. Always consult your own professionals first. And know that in the world of trying to conceive, there are no guaranteed pregnancy or other outcomes. If you'd like to know more about my terms and conditions, head to my website at robinburkin.com. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next week.